Would you stand with me for the reading from 1 Thessalonians today? Ends chapter 4, verse 13 through 5, verse 11. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about those who have died, so that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have died. For this we declare to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will by no means precede those who have died. For the Lord himself with a cry of command, with the archangel's call, and with the sound of God's trumpet, will descend from heaven, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up in the clouds together with them to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Now, concerning the times and seasons, brothers and sisters, you do not need to have anything written to you, for you yourselves know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. When they say, there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and there will be no escape. But you, beloved, are not in darkness for that day to surprise you like a thief, for you are all children of light and children of the day. We are not of the night or darkness. So then let us not fall asleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who are drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober and put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us. So that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build up each other as indeed you are doing. The word of the Lord. January 15, 2009. Three minutes into U.S. Airways Flight 1549 from LaGuardia to Charlotte Douglas International Airport. At 2,800 feet, the plane strikes a flock of Canada geese. Both engines are disabled. Without engine power and unable to reach nearby airports, pilot Chelsea Burnett Sullenberger III lands the aircraft on the Hudson River. The crew and passengers evacuate without any fatalities. Maybe you remember this great story. The pilot, Sully, was proclaimed a hero. He was such a hero, he had the honor of being portrayed by Tom Hanks in the 2016 movie right here. That's an honor. And I don't know about you, but these days, sometimes, I just wish 
for a hero like Sully to rescue us all from the mess we're in. A hero to cure COVID-19, a hero to end systemic racism, to solve the refugee and immigration crises, a hero to spark the eyes of the people who are lonely at home, a hero to rewrite the news of woe and lament into stories of hope, someone to land this plane on a river and help everyone evacuate safely. Are you ready for that? I am. And I think in our story today, in the letter Paul wrote to the Thessalonians, they were waiting to be rescued too. They were waiting to be rescued from their lives of suffering, the marginalization they feel from those around them, the sadness and grief they feel from the recent deaths of those within their small church. The Thessalonians are longing to be rescued, but in the midst of that longing, they have a big concern that Paul has heard about. And this is their concern that's in the first part of our passage today. Will those who have already died be rescued? There's this concern that the church has that those who have died will somehow be at a disadvantage when Jesus comes back. You can tell this is the problem by the way that Paul addresses it. The Thessalonians are worried. It's as if they somehow missed this teaching from Paul when he was with them. And maybe it's because he had to skedaddle before he got to teaching this aspect of the Christian faith. And so he grounds his teaching in one of the earliest creeds of the church, maybe the earliest creeds. Paul says, we believe that Jesus died and rose again. We believe that Jesus died and rose again. That's a creed the church would say together. They knew this creed. And because we believe Jesus died and rose again, we don't have to grieve like those who have no hope. You're not hopeless, Paul is saying. The rescuer will come. And why do we know this? We know this because of the word of the Lord. For this we declare to you by the word of the Lord, Paul writes. This isn't just Paul speaking, it's God's word. And because this is God's word, we know that those who have died in Christ, they will not be disadvantaged. We who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, we will by no means precede those who have died. Those who have died, Paul's saying, God's not going to forget about them. And this is what's going to happen, Paul says. Now, it's really important to see this portion of this letter as an image of Christ's return. It's an image that Paul is showing the church to give them hope during a time of struggle. This is not a list of boxes to check off in regard to the future. Think of it more as a painting in an art museum than as a diagram of the future. It's really important to make that distinction, and if you write in your Bible or if you're using your Thessalonians journal, write image, not diagram. But this is what's in the image. Verse 16, Jesus is descending out of the heavenly realm. I can't tell you what that looks like. None of us do, but he will, and he is in this passage. 
And there are these sounds of victory, a shouted order, the voice of an archangel, God's trumpet, a trumpet call. I also don't know what that sounds like exactly, but those sounds are there. And then those who have died in Christ. In in some of your translations, it might be sleeping, which is the Greek word as a euphemism for death. Those who are sleeping will rise from the dead. I also don't know what that looks like, but it happens. And, And if you're curious about the doctrine of the resurrection, we've recently preached on this here. Go back to our podcast from May 17 to learn more about resurrection if that's something new for you. That was a side note. Back to the text. So then, those who have died and are resurrected, and then the living believers, we who are alive, Paul writes, who are left, will be caught up in the cloud together to meet the Lord in the air. Now, to his audience who's reading this in Greek, they can hear a little joke that Paul's making here. The word translated, that we translate as caught up, was frequently used in non-Christian writing to describe what death does to you. Death catches you up. It catches you away from your life of relationship and vitality and good work. But when Jesus comes, Jesus will catch us up, caught up. So Paul's reversing this use with a little joke, caught up not by death, but by the Lord. And so God's people meet Jesus here. It's like a group of residents going to welcome the conquering hero, the king, to welcome him back. This is the welcoming committee where those who have died in Christ rise along with everyone else who is still alive and they meet Jesus. The language scripture uses in the air. And the language of in the air throughout scripture is language used to communicate an experience of God and a divine vision. So the clouds are less about the literal clouds in the location, but more about the presence of God. We can think of the language of cloud being used to describe God's presence throughout scripture, the cloud in the wilderness, Jesus' ascension into the clouds in the ascension story. Remember, this is a painting, not a diagram. And so the purpose of this all is to meet the Lord, a welcoming committee meeting a king or a military conqueror as he enters the city victoriously. And the Thessalonians would have grasped this illusion, the picture of a welcoming committee greeting a conquering king as he entered the city. This is a civic and military parade That rather than than featuring a Roman soldier or a Roman empire, it's featuring Jesus, and it invites the participation of the Thessalonian church. Because the church had seen these kinds of processions before, these kind of welcoming processions before, in which only the important people, the ones who bankroll civic monuments and temples, those are the people that usually get to greet the hero and eat the reception with him afterwards. But here, when King Jesus comes, they, and especially those who have already died in Christ, receive the honor of being the welcoming committee to greet him. Everyone's in their fanciest robe and their wreath. But this isn't just about one party, one reception, one day. This is about forever. And so, Paul writes, we will be with the Lord forever. This is a rescue that lasts. 
This is a hero who saves eternally. And this is something to have hope in. We will be with the Lord forever. Oh, the Thessalonians say, this sounds so good. I can't wait for this to happen. When is this going to happen, Paul? The church is asking this in their mind as they hear the letter read, and Paul is ready for the question, and he responds to it and to other questions that had been passed on to him in this next paragraph. Questions like maybe you have had. Questions like, when is this going to happen? When are the times and seasons for this future event? Well, we don't know. <laughs> Chapter 5-2 Paul writes, you yourselves know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a midnight robber. Do you plan for a thief? I don't. You can't plan for a thief. You can't plan for this. And don't look for it just during the bad times. It can happen in the good times too. When people say, Paul writes, peace and security, then swift ruin will arrive at their doorsteps like the pain that comes over a woman in labor and they won't have a chance of escape. That phrase, peace and security, sounds kind of nice to us, I think, doesn't it? But what Paul's writing about here is the Roman Empire. Peace and security is a reference to Roman rule, because these are the promises that are on every single coin that people exchange every day for goods and services at the market. Peace and security. Peace and security through Rome. But this isn't the peace that comes from God. This isn't the security that comes from God. This is from human rule. And the promises and propaganda of the empire do not forge for us a helmet of hope. Because if your loyalty, Thessalonians, is with the peace and security of Rome, for you, the day of the Lord is a day of destruction. Sudden destruction will come on them, Paul writes. That's bad news for them, but them isn't the Thessalonians. But you, church, you're ready. And for you, it's not bad news. You're ready, and you can't get away from this. Don't be afraid. For you, beloved, are not in darkness for that day to surprise you like a thief. Don't be afraid of the labor pains. You've gone to childbirthing classes. You are ready, so stay ready. Stay alert. Don't fall asleep as others do. And this time he's using that literally, not euphemistically. So be alert. Stay awake. Stay ready. And be sober, as in not drunk or distracted. Stay focused. Stay sharp. Stay ready, armored up. You are all children of light, Paul says. So stay awake. Stay awake and be sober and prepared with the breastplate of faith. A good translation for faith is loyalty in Jesus. So a loyalty to Jesus on your body and love and a helmet of the hope of salvation. Put your head in the hope of Jesus, Paul saying, not the false hope of peace and security the empire offers. Because for us, for us believing Christians, God has destined us not for wrath, but for gaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us so that we may live. And this is the focus of the entire section here. The Thessalonians are wondering about rescuing in the future and what will happen to their friends in Christ who have died. 
They're wondering about the times and seasons and when this will happen. But guess what? It's already happening. Jesus is already rescuing. Paul writes in verse 9, Because God has not placed us on the road to fury, but to gaining salvation through our Lord Jesus the Messiah. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we will live with him. This is present tense. Because God has not placed us on the road to fury, but to gaining salvation, present tense. Because life in Christ isn't just something that will happen in the future, though it will. It's also something that's happening now. Whether we are awake or asleep, we may live with him now. Because Jesus has already died. And Jesus died so that we don't have to. We're not simply waiting around for the rescuer to come. He's come already. The rescuer is come. Salvation is something that's happening now. And we will live with Jesus in the future. And we do live with him now through the presence of the Spirit. So stay vigilant, church. The rescuer is coming. And the rescuer is here already. That is what Paul is saying to the Thessalonians. But what is the Spirit saying to us 2,000 years after this text was written, we might wonder. Truthfully, I have never heard anyone express to me the same concern the Thessalonians expressed to Paul. I've never heard someone be concerned about a believer who has died saying, will they somehow be at a disadvantage when Jesus comes back and will I be more advantaged than them? That's not a question I hear. We have a different set of concerns now. However, one thing that is the same is that we are all longing to be rescued. And perhaps right now, many of us more in this time of our life than in other times of our life in the past. Because we long for and pray for an end to the COVID-19 crisis, an end to systemic racism. We long for our concern about small businesses, maybe our own small business, being shut down again and, and schools having to go online. When are these times and seasons going to end, Jesus? And so we look to be rescued. We look to political movements, to individuals. We look to systemic change. We look for the right signaling. People saying peace and security with just the right emphasis so that we know they're the ones who are going to help usher in the next phase. Because we all want to be rescued. We are looking for a sully who will land the plane on the water so we can slide out on those inflatable slides into safety. Who or what is it going to be? When will we be rescued? What will happen next? When will this be over? My friends, the word in this text for us today is to remember that in the discomfort and suffering for some of this time, our rescuer has already come. Jesus has already come. This isn't just about the future, though that is very important. It's also about the past, and it's also about the present. And the story that we watched earlier, that some kids and Zoe Larson and I made this week, from Mark 5, we see the story of a desperate man, Jairus, who was waiting for a hero to rescue his sick daughter. In a last-ditch effort, he goes to Jesus to request healing, Some of you might know this story. It's three times in the Bible. 
But in the middle of the story, and we cut this section out, while Jesus is traveling to Jairus' home, he's interrupted by another woman who needs rescuing, and it takes up Jesus' time. And because Jesus is so late in getting to Jairus' house, the child dies. It's no use coming now, the messenger says. The girl is dead. She's beyond rescue. No, says Jesus. No, she is not dead. She is only asleep. And everyone laughs because if they know anything, they know dead. (laughs) Dead is dead is dead is dead. She's not breathing. Her body has started to grow cold. But to Jesus, death isn't death. Jesus can wake someone from the dead as easily as a parent wakes a sleeping child. And so he whispers, little girl, wake up. He rescues her. And the same Jesus, the same Jesus who died for us and rose again from the dead, we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And if we believe that, we also believe that he will return to finish what he started, to raise those dead-believing Thessalonians, to raise up the martyred apostles, to raise up St. Augustine and Hildegard of Bingen and John Wesley and Mother Teresa and J.I. Packer, who died on Friday, And if Jesus returns after I die, Jesus will raise me up too. They're not dead, Jesus says. They're only asleep. And so today, we who are still alive in these strange and unpredictable times can grieve as those with hope. We put hope on like a helmet, and we wear our loyalty to Christ, the Prince of Peace. Not the empire who makes a false claim of peace and security. Because true peace and security can only come through Jesus. True life, liberty, and happiness can only come from Jesus, the one who died and rose again. And he died so that we might live now and forever. There's this confidence that Paul writes with, this confidence for the church, because he knows their faith, their loyalty to Christ. He knows they believe. He knows. And so, my friends, it's my prayer today that you too can have assurance, can have hope in Christ's defeat of death through death so that you don't seek a rescuer beyond Jesus Christ. Pilate Sully did rescue those people on that cold January day 11 years ago, and we give thanks for that. But those people will still die one day. Jesus' rescue is for us before death and beyond death because we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and his death and resurrection pave a way for us to live resurrected lives with Christ now and in the future. So I have two invitations. Some of you have committed yourself to faith in Christ, to loyalty to Jesus. Be be persistent. Keep at it. Live like one who belongs to the day. Wear your loyalty to Jesus over your heart and stay alert. Not drunk. This is literal. (laughs) Stay alert. It's, It's hard to be loyal and hopeful in a drunken state. Stay loyal, stay alert, like a a good driver focusing on the road, not drunk or distracted, remembering your destination and moving forward. But perhaps for others of you, this confidence 
with which Paul writes to the church has you wondering, how can Paul say with assurance that we will be with the Lord forever? And, and things like, whether we are awake or asleep, dead, we will live with him. Maybe you think, how can someone have this confidence? And maybe you would like this confidence too. It's really important to note that Paul's confident and hopeful words about resurrection and life forever with Christ are only directed to loyal Christians who have professed faith in Jesus as the rescuer. No other rescuer, only Jesus. And for those who have not lived in the loyalty to Christ, Paul's words are much more dim. He says things like sudden destruction. There will be no escape. And it can sound scary but it doesn't have to be. And so the second invitation is for those of you who who long for this confidence with which Paul writes, you may also profess faith in loyalty to, to this Jesus who died and rose again. Loyalty that begins in your heart and works its way out into your thoughts and words and hands. Loyalty that is worn over your heart like armor. And in this loyalty to Jesus, you can have confidence too that one day you will be with the Lord forever. Today you may feel a stirring in your heart that you'd like to have confidence in Christ. Confidence that you too will be forever with him. And that same confidence available to the Thessalonians is available to you. So we're going to take some time today to meditate on these words through the ministry of music. And as you listen to these words, listen to the voice of Jesus inviting you, just like the Thessalonians, to live in loyalty to him as people who belong to the day. Amen.